1: guest is Greg Powers, a Next Level Athlete. Greg serves as the president of NLA, a scouting service which serves multiple colleges across the country. Greg talks about what he's learned being on that side of the business, the the services they provide for several other colleges, and the new services they're providing for Texas high schools. Greg also talks about his time as a recruiting analyst at Scout and 247 Sports, and some of the best players and games he's ever seen. So without further ado, here's Greg Powers from Next Level Athlete and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. My next guest is the president of Next Level Athletes, senior recruiting analyst Dave Campbell's Texas Football, uh, a mentor to me early in my my time in the business, and and a good friend. It is the great Greg Powers. Greg, thanks for joining me today.
0: Hey, no problem, man. Uh, pretty high praise coming from you to be your mentor, man. You've <laughs> done really great in the business, so uh, I'll take that as a huge
1: compliment. Well, and, and we'll get into that maybe a little later. But I, you know, when I got into it, you were the guy that that. I think gave me, you know, I think that in our business, it's a little cliquish. And when you first get in, it's hard to, to be accepted by a lot of the other guys. And You were one of the first guys to kind of open up and, and give me some advice and, and point me in the right direction always. And for that, uh, I don't know that I'll ever, ever be able to truly thank you. But um, we want to get into just kind of what you're doing nowadays. And uh, uh, so let's start how I always start. What are you doing, Greg, to get through the quarantine?
0: You know, spending a lot of time with family um, and really just kind of diving into work. This has been an opportunity to uh, meet with more Texas high school football coaches for myself on the scouting side of things and um, do a lot more with rankings and making sure that we're buttoned up. um, You know, Next Level Athlete is a college scouting service. So uh, doing more in-depth evaluations, uh, checking our P's and Q's to make sure we're buttoned up heading into next season has, has been a little bit advantageous, I think, in some regards. I think recruiting is this one industry that hasn't really slowed down uh, that much. Maybe it's even been uh, more busy, um, busier uh, because of the COVID quarantine. You know, Coaches have been watching tape and evaluating players, and offers seem to have been going out left and right. So I don't know about you, but I don't think I've really slowed down any. If anything, I think I've been busier
1: yeah I can tell you this I've produced more content during the quarantine than I have recently, and that's part of that is uh it's kind of a uh, you're forced to almost to so you can stay you know we obviously you want to keep your job so you just try to push out as much as you can but I think the like the loss of the evaluation period for coaches has has made them to the point where they're like, okay, we just got to trust what we see on film and make these offers we can't wait any longer so uh, I tell my wife all the time i'm blessed to be busy at this point in time because there's a lot of people who who are having trouble with that. Um, You've been all over yeah. and I've gotten, I've spent a lot of time with you in press boxes and on sidelines. You've had a long, long road to where you are now. Kind of just tell me the, the the reader's digest version from where you got into the business and, uh, and you know, all the things you've kind of done during that time.
0: Well, really, I broke into this business back in 2004, 2005 with scout.com the first major event that I really ever covered was a seven-on-seven tournament at Arlington Bowie. Kenny Perry was the head coach there, and it was actually a Max M. Finger uh, seven-on-seven All-American tournament, and he was having that tournament um, to select players to play in his All-American bowl game. So that was really the first big event that I covered, and, and I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma at that time, so coming down to Texas and seeing the type of talent the state produced annually and seeing those players in that seven on seven event was a big eye opener and meeting with Kenny Perry, he kind of put me on to the state qualifying tournaments and, um, everything that Texas was a part of. So that kind of really was my jumping off point for, uh, recruiting coverage. And it kind of grew from there. Um, I went to the U S army all American game that January and, um, as you know, it's a, it, and you touched on at the beginning, it's a very competitive business. And when you're young, trying to break into that business, you really want to try to, to prove yourself and um, show people you have what it takes or the chops to compete with some of those more well-known names. And that's really what it was about at that time. I think maybe I cranked out something like 25 interviews that week and, and that kind of caught the boss's attention and, 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 They gave me an opportunity, and I just kind of ran with the ball. I was with Scout.com for 14 years. They were acquired by 247 Sports. So I had a year and a half or two years with 247 Sports and then uh, moved on to be the president at Next Level Athlete and take a role with Dave Campbell's Texas football. So while it was an interesting and winding road with opportunities within Scout.com, that was, you know, pretty much – the company that I was with for a very long extended time. So I I wasn't a, um, a paladin or anything like that in the recruiting industry. I I just got moved around in some different jobs as scout needed somebody. I would, I would say that my expertise in the recruiting industry has been to go into situations where uh, they may need saving or they may need to build something new. That's really been my area of expertise is to build something new up from the ground, or to go into a situation where they really needed somebody to uh, grind out content and make sure that they were having an opportunity to maybe save a site or save a region of, of the country and needed an expert like that. That's kind of probably been my, my role in the recruiting industry, I'd say. And I, and I take pride in that, you know, that's something that I find really cool. I like building stuff up from the ground up.
1: During that time you were, I think you, I I want to try to get this right. You were uh, the Ohio state publisher at one time. The Oklahoma publisher at one time?
0: Well, not the Ohio State publisher. So back in the day, there were some interesting um, things going on in this industry, um, especially as I think ESPN started a recruiting website and took some sites away. So uh, filled in some spots at Ohio State and helped rebuild, uh, you know, Bucknuts, which is at 247 Sports now had left scout.com then and went to ESPN. So they needed someone to help build that up. So we we jumped in there to help with that. And then uh, they created a new territory, which was the Midlands. So scout.com was the first um, Midlands territory. They created that. I moved into that role. And back in the day, the Midlands didn't include Texas. It was Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, uh, Minnesota, up through you know basically that territory. Um, and then I moved from the Midlands regional manager role into the publisher at uh Sooners Illustrated on scout.com and I did that for two years pretty good two years because Oklahoma advanced to the national championship in football they had Sam Bradford and Gerald McCoy and those guys and then went to the final four in basketball with Blake Griffin so I was on campus there for some uh pretty big uh pretty big years I think in in the hierarchy or the history of Oklahoma
1: yeah then you moved on of course to uh to be one of the national uh, rankings experts over there at Scout. Um, a great team that, you know, we still at 24-7 use a, a large part of. And uh, open mic listeners will uh, will know that you worked with our first guest, Brandon Huffman uh, over there. He was uh, the first guest I did on this. But um, what made you want to get into that business and, and, and how, you know, what was the biggest things you learned early on with evaluation and scouting and, and sharpening your skills there?
0: Well, I don't know if I would categorize it as something that was necessary. You know, I, I was always a huge fan of recruiting. I mean, even even as, as a high school student, that was something that always caught my attention. You know, and I paid attention to the recruiting magazines and um, always followed recruiting on the websites. And that was something that I thought was pretty cool. I didn't necessarily know that that's something that I would end up uh, being involved with for a career. You know, it's just something that happened because I had an opportunity and uh, recognized it, and then the breaks went my way, you know, and I try to take advantage of those breaks, and it's something that I really enjoy. I kind of articulate this to a lot of people. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of former college athletes, NFL players, um, and a lot of different evaluators. You can either evaluate talent, or you can't, and you can either be unbiased about it, or you can't, and I just feel like what's really helped me with the evaluation aspect of Uh, Being in this industry is to be unbiased, you know, not to have any bias towards one team or um, not to really be caught up on one thing at one position all the time and say, well, it's always going to be about track speed or it's always going to be about uh, what they've shown on films. You know, there are so many variables that go into what makes a player special in the pads and and it's so unique and individual that you can't always uh, pinpoint it down to one thing. So you try to have to go into evaluating every prospect with an open mind and doing your best to, to really look at the total picture when it uh, is centered around one player. You know, some people may catch the player on their best day when they go to evaluate evaluate him and, and you may catch him on the worst day. So you have to take that in mind whenever you're, you're really painting a picture of what a prospect can be when he arrives in, in into college. And that's really what I I think it is my job to do is to give people a picture of what that player can be at the collegiate level. It's great if they go on to have NFL success for me and, or they get drafted really high and I had them rated high and no one else did. That's like, just like something that you hang your hat on. But for us, it's about projecting players to have college success. And that can be hard to do because there are a lot of variables that go in on the field and off the field to, to really uh, capture all that
1: let's go back to your days of doing rankings for scout what's the best call you've ever made on a ranking like the i hang my hat on this one i got it right um i was early i was correct all those things what what do you think if you had to call it
0: i think the most notable one is probably patrick mahomes we were the only ones that had him a four star you know he's went on to have a lot of success it was a hard ranking to stand behind because of the fact that no one else had him rated high. He didn't have a ton of offers. Um, But really you just had to go by what your heart said and what you saw in the field. And every time I saw Patrick Mahomes, he was a, he was a big time player. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that too later on in the show. I think you have some questions queued up for me, maybe when we, we discuss Some of our favorite games or players or whatever. Um, But Patrick Mahomes is that one ranking. I think that everybody can look, look back on and say, um, wow. Um, Greg is the only one who had him four. scout was the only one who had him where I think that's pretty cool, but there's a lot of them, you know, Tyree kill. I did juco. Round. I was a national national juco evaluator for, you know, four or five years. So Tyree kill was a five star. So, you know, that was a good one that I think that a lot of people missed on. So there are, there are, they just happen to both play for Kansas City now. Oh, so I was going to say maybe like
1: maybe you should go to work for the Chiefs. <laughs> they <laughs> seem to agree with your evaluations. So now you're at next level. You guys provide college scouting for a number of schools. Um, it, I, I've never asked you this. Do you guys basically is your scouting only constitute the state of Texas, or is it like the surrounding region, or how how far does that range? So we have, we
0: evaluate players from the high school players from the state of Texas, and then. Um, sell a subscription service to colleges who come in to recruit the state. So our scouting service is centered on Texas high school football um, recruits.
1: Right. Okay. So I, I knew that. I just didn't know if it, if you guys branched out into Louisiana and Oklahoma and all those types of places. You run one of the best camps. It's one of my favorite events every year to go to. Um, and that's really, I think I always tell people, I go to next level every year because I see a future star at next level every year. I remember meeting Prince Dorba at Next Level like two and a half, three years ago. Um, you know, it's just like year in and year out, you, you meet a kid and then down the line, it's like all of a sudden he's a five-star. So those are great events. You guys obviously put those on for, for your, your, uh, your, your colleges that, you, that, you, that are on the subscription services with full video testing, all of those things. Um, but now you're getting into the high school space. Um, and w- can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing as far as helping these Texas high schools with, with uh, their recruiting?
0: Well, we've launched a digital prospect sheet is the best way to articulate what it really is, and this just gives the high school coach the opportunity to um, have his prospect sheet at the touch of his fingertips at all times. You know, so if a college coach um, wants to look at a player on that team's roster, um, they have the ability to share that themselves. And if a, a college coach walks up on in, into the high school office or onto the practice field and they're Caught unaware, is they have the opportunity to transmit something to them pretty fast and efficiently that they can have a quick glimpse of the prospects who play on that team, and that's really what the the prospect portal is what we've called it the next level athlete prospect portal. Um, it's been really cool because the feedback from that has has been great. There isn't, I don't think that there's anything that I've ever done in this business that like 90 to 95 percent of the people that you've given an idea to thought it was a good idea. You know, where are all of that's great. I want to use it. So this has been really fun, especially through like the quarantine time to talk with all these head coaches across the state who are now uh, starting to use this system and they all love it. You know, that's been pretty fun and rewarding um, in and of itself. So it's also given me a, a little bit of a scouting advantage in some ways, because I get a look and see what um, a coach really thinks about his own players, you know, and that's what the colleges love about this system is that it's verified information from the high school coach, you know, and they can come to, uh, to count on it. There's no one else putting their fingers on it besides the coaches, and they can trust that verified information is coming from the coach, and, and it really helps support that straight-line recruiting initial initiative, given a conduit between the high school coach and the college, um, that they can depend on the high school
1: coach to come to get this information. Have you heard any, I mean, I, you kind of alluded to it there, but have you heard any direct feedback from colleges on how they're um, enjoying working with that portal and with the high school coaches on it?
0: Definitely. Um, the That was really like one of the bigger questions. You know, we we were able to go to the THSCA convention last year and meet with a lot of high school coaches and get their feedback on what they would like to have uh, within that software. Um, but one of the great unknowns was going to be like, did the colleges really want to use it? And do they um, accept it? Well, I'm, they have, they really liked it, you know, so the feedback there has been also tremendous. A lot of people reaching out to me to try to either get on board. I mean, I, I just really been really busy trying to each, each individual high school, I walk them through the process of uh, learning how to use that system um, and take the time to really show each high school coach how to, how to use it and get the most advantage out of using it, using it. So my day from, nine to five has been Zoom tutorials and uh, showing high school coaches sh- screen shares on my computer of, of how to use this portal. So it's been fun. I mean, it's been a challenge, too. At times, not everybody's exactly the same amount of computer literate, um, but neither am I. You know, I had a, I did my very first Zoom around this, and now I'm doing Zoom all day, every day.
1: Yeah, it's pretty neat, I guess, that you guys, the timing of this thing to develop, right? I mean, I would assume that this was in the works before coronavirus, um, the timing of this to kind of come out at, at a point when they need something virtual that they can get to colleges to keep that that momentum moving is is fantastic. And I would say you probably benefit from, I mean, I know you've said it, but just, you know, on, uh, on our side of the business, we talk to some of the high school coaches daily, just part of my job. You probably have done less of that since you moved over to NLA, but now you're kind of back into uh, dealing with those guys you've known forever.
0: I think I would reverse it. I said I, I would probably say I talk to more high school coaches with NLA because really what we try to do, the whole NLA business has been built around the dependency of the high school coach to feed us information that we can then turn to college and say we get this from the high school coach. And our scouts spend, um, I mean, all year, every prospect, not every prospect, but a very large majority of the prospects who appear in our scouting service Um, system the scout has been to that high school and met with that coach about the player so it's not like one of these situations where um guys are sitting around just watching huddle tape you know and you might know because you work this way how important it is to put eyes on these guys Mm -hmm. it's not just um looking at tape you know your best evaluations come in person you want to see how a guy moves you want to hear what his coach has to say about him and you know, you want to verify what you've seen on film is also what you see in person. So our scouts spend a tremendous amount of time traveling across the state and doing that, you know, and and our scouts, Tommy Kaiser, Kip Harden, and Steve Gideon have over 120 years of combined um, coaching experience in the NFL college or as Texas high school football head coaches. And the colleges can really trust what those guys have to say because they know that they're coaches and where they're getting their information from.
1: Yeah, and I would say that, to me, like during an evaluation, the most important thing is you may have eight minutes of incredible huddle tape, but what are you doing on the plays that aren't on that huddle tape? And that's that's really where I always champion in, in-person evaluations because a guy might have five or six great, fantastic plays in a game, but what's he doing the other 50? You know, and that's, that really matters. Um of course, you also do some stuff with Dave Campbell's, your lead recruiting analyst over there. Uh, I did talk to your your coworker, boss. I don't know how this breaks down. Tepper uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show. Um, you you've been doing stuff for the magazine. Does that scratch your uh, your writing itch a little bit? Oh, I stay busy
0: writing, man. It's just um, I I look at it as almost having two full time jobs, you know. Right now, we're uh, deep into making the summer magazine. They call it the Texas High School Football Bible. That's been really cool to be a part of because everybody reads Dave Campbell's Texas right. Football, the magazine. It's been a big deal. Everybody kind of – if you talk to somebody that's played Texas High School football, they know about that magazine. So, that's really been fun. And the crew over there is really fun to work with. Um, Will Wilkerson, Greg Tepper, Ashley Pickle, Shahanjay Raja, Ishmael Johnson, that, and Matt Stepp and myself make up the editorial team there. And I can tell you that we have a lot of fun covering events and just going into the office, hanging out with each other on some days. And they're just a g- great crew uh, to be a part of. So Dave, Camp- Dave Campbell's Texas Football has been a very cool thing. And we really built recruiting up from scratch there, too. Before I came on, they didn't really cover recruiting at all. They had their recruiting magazine that they released in um, December, uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Rising. And they've they done that. But they didn't have recruiting profiles or really much recruiting coverage on the web so that's been something that we really have taken from you know very basic starting point now and have evolved it into something that's pretty or much more in depth than it used to be so that's been pretty fun as well just to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to tag along with those guys as much as possible because they're a really fun crew. Um, a couple of months ago, we all went to the DFW Coaches Clinic, and they left a Dave Campbell's flag. And I was like the last guy there because I was hanging out with some coaches and talking. And I ended up just carrying it around in my truck for two weeks um, and then had to t- take it. It was an excuse to go visit the office and drop it off for those guys. But, yeah, they are a, a super fun crew. And I, I'm, I might make the whole round on this thing depending on how long this pandemic goes. And I've had Tepper on. I'll have you on. Step's probably next, might get ish, ish on. So um, you know, it's uh, we might just have the whole Dave Campbell's crew on here. Let me ask you this. By the way, th- by
0: the way, I was super jealous um that day. I saw you guys having fun at that convention. I think it was a, a Friday in, oh, yeah. was it the Arling. Yeah. I think it saw was, that. Uh, I got stuck great, at work. I couldn't. Great make it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was tremendous. Uh, you know, I talked to Step about, hey, I wanna like cause you know in, in our job. It's vital to be in communication with as many coaches as possible, and um, you know I've spent a lot of time around. But in the last year, I'm I'm now the full time guy at Horns 24 seven. So it was always EJ, and he was the one that was doing most of the things. And you know I had another job, and now it's, I've I kind of feel like a politician. I've been on this tour to like meet high school coaches and <laughs> outreach. And um, Step was like, "Why don't you come to this clinic? It'll be like a great opportunity for you." And uh, we had a, we had a great time at it for sure. Um, I want to ask you this, being on the evaluation side, it, it, well, you've always been on the evaluation side, but being on the side that d- communicates directly with the colleges and provides them that service, is there anything you've learned, and you don't have to give names or trade secrets away, is there anything you've learned that that surprised you about the way that those those groups kind of operate?
0: I would say it's just eye-opening from the standpoint that I've learned how more of these programs operate. What's really cool is being able to go in on the sales part of this and and really get tours to some of these major colleges you know and and see what facilities they have and see what the latest technology is that they're using um, either if it's helping them in recruiting or helping them in practice or helping them in player development Um, that's been the funnest part to me some of the stuff that you really didn't get to see behind the scenes um, that you now get to see and and you kind of touched on it you always try to keep that stuff like Underneath your, your cap, you don't really tell anybody else because those schools don't really want you telling right. anybody what their trade secrets are, so you don't. Um, but that's really been a lot of fun, just going on campus at some of these, especially some of the bigger schools, man. Some of these bigger schools have really got cool technology out there and tap into some resources that you would never even have expected. Um, so that's really been a fun part of that part of the, the business that I didn't always get to see. Um, so that, that's been something that I've really thoroughly enjoyed. Of course, most of our sales season has been canceled this year. So I'm missing out on going on a lot of those trips right now. Um, you know, there are some places that you really want to go like new Orleans, you know, you want to go on the new Orleans trip every year just to hang out in NOLA a little bit and go visit your accounts down that way. Um, so we haven't had that opportunity to go to some of those cool places like that. And I'm missing new Orleans this spring for sure.
1: Uh, are you guys able to still kind of facilitate some of those sales calls over zoom or whatever and still be able to keep the business running that way
0: oh sure that's just really been the how you have to do it you know I would I've I guess you could say could same way with these this other thing you have an opportunity to really show what you're doing on a zoom call people are more available I think have a little bit more time to go over some of that stuff so I wouldn't say it's been a negative or a positive in that regard
1: uh, the positive has been everybody's incredibly available. I haven't reached out to one person about <laughs> doing the podcast yet that's told me no. So <laughs> there you go. Been a positive for me. Um, all right, let's get into the fun stuff. You see a lot of games. Um, I pride myself on seeing a lot of games. And in your heyday, I think you've you've taken a step back a little bit because you got two full time jobs, like you said, and you don't necessarily have to be at every game. But when you were with us. You were at just about as many, if not more games than I was per year. Um, and I love, I think people love hearing these personal stories about some of the great players um, they've seen in their time. So just tell me about a, a couple of your favorite players, if you have any cool stories about any of them uh, that you've covered over your time in recruiting.
0: Well, the first guy I'll talk about may be a surprise. He's not, he's not a Texas high school football player. Uh, the best defensive player I feel like I've ever seen, or at least one of the the best defensive players I've ever seen was Enid's Austin Box, um, who went on to play at Oklahoma. He was a whole lot of fun to watch because he was one of these guys who played on both sides of the football. He played quarterback. He played safety slash outside linebacker. Um, and and their team wasn't great except for when he was on it, you know. And he's what made that team great. And you know everything that happened with Austin Box. You know he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, what you saw with Austin Box is what you got on the high school field. So he was a guy who gave 150% every play, and he played injured. You know, he played one season with a huge um, padding on his elbow, you know, where he was all padded up, and, and he was just a warrior. Um, left everything out on the field. As a matter of fact, there was a game that they played Stillwater in the state semifinals, and I can't remember exactly what year it was. But the game was at Sapulpa Stadium in Oklahoma, just south of Tulsa. And Austin Box scored a touchdown. Um, and, and it was a miraculous touchdown run. Um, and he was beat up, man. I'm telling you, he was beat up all game. There was about two minutes left, and you really don't understand how this dude is still even walking. And he scores a touchdown run from about 30 yards out where he barely makes it into the corner of the end zone. He dives in. And he's so exhausted after he scores the touchdown that he can't even get up off of the ground. He's just laying there. He tries to get to the sidelines and he just falls down. And um, that was a play that really sticks out in my mind as a guy, like my one of my very first times saying, wow, this guy loves football so much. And what was really cool about that is he loved his family just even more so because after every game I probably watched him play in five games and Always, you know, kind of talked to him after the game because at that time I was, I think I was on the OU beat. He was, you know, coming into OU that next year. Um, he always met with his family, you know, everybody in his family. It was a big deal for everybody in the community. Enid was good. It's not a very big town, even though they were playing, it, you know, the, the, the community was really bought into the football team. So, you know, I always enjoyed watching him interact with his parents his grandparents and everybody in the community before I had a chance to interview him or doing it. You know, there video interviews weren't a huge thing back then. Um, But I would always wait and just watch him interact with that. And, you know, like him and his dad would share tears together after these games. And it was just really cool. And then he went into college and played with that kind of same mentality. So that was one of the guys for me that always sticks out. Austin Box, true warrior high school football player, one of the best to ever do it. So he's one of my favorites.
1: I kind of remember him as like he just never could stay healthy at Oklahoma. He well, would that's be a, the
0: same way he – yeah, it's the same way he was in high school. Dude, he played he, – I bet you he practiced the same way he played. You know, that's probably why it was hard for him to stay healthy because he beat his – I mean, he beat himself to a pulp.
1: It would be – he would be having these incredible seasons and then just – I think he had two or three ACLs or something. It was It was hard to watch even, you know, from the Texas side just because you hate to see a kid who's that talented – just not be able to put it all together it sucks to see i want to go off this subject for real quick because uh, i want to talk about something that maybe um maybe our listeners will would appreciate your insight on is uh i don't know if you remember this but two or three years ago you and i were at desoto together on a very 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 cold night and you were taking pictures for us and i was like greg i'm going to stay in the press box if you're taking pictures i'm going to stay warm there are two sophomores on this Duncanville team I really need pictures of because I think they're going to be really good. Uh, can you get me JaQuindon Jackson and Chris Thompson? Uh, and since that time, you know, obviously Chris Thompson already at Auburn, JaQuindon Jackson headed to Texas. Um, I want to talk about Jackson. You know, what, are, what have been your thoughts on him? Where does he kind of fall in some of the great athletes you've seen all time? And, and where do you think he translates at the next level?
0: Well, I really feel cheated did not have the opportunity to watch JaQuinnon Jackson play in his final game because of the injury last year. That's one of the moments that I'll remember is thinking, wow, I mean, that was a game that I had had circled. Everybody did. Everybody had that game circled on their calendar to hope, hopefully see that because as you think back to the game, um, the state championship game back in 2018, because of the Hail Mary pass that North Shore caught, a lot of people forget the drive that JaQuinnon Jackson led Duncanville to to score the touchdown with just a couple of minutes left to go in that game. And that was an amazing drive. That was JaQuindon Jackson at his best. Um, He was able to show um, his mettle, his toughness, his leadership on that drive because it wasn't one of those easy touchdowns. You know, I think they were a yard and a half out from the end zone. Maybe it was a fourth down play. I can't remember exactly the I think it was fourth down and they were able to score that touchdown to go up. And I really thought Duncanville had won the game at that point, you know, uh, a miraculous play uh, a couple minutes later changed the dynamics of that game and gave us one of the greatest Texas high school football games in history, maybe one of the greatest high school football games in history. Um, But don't overlook what Jaquindon Jackson did. And you asked me about what his college position is going to be. You know, we've, we rated him as an athlete and I think that he could play a number of positions in college. I think that he could be a tremendous safety or outside linebacker. I think that he could be a great running back. Maybe he could play receiver. Um, but I came to know him as a quarterback and that's something that, um, I, I've argued or not, or debated, I guess, argued is a, debated is a better word. We would debate constantly, um, that we felt that Jaquin and Jackson was the type of quarterback that Tom Herman really has a lot of success with or has been able to, to be proven to have success with in his offensive scheme. Um, then Hudson Card had a tremendous senior. To me, Hudson Card had a tremendous senior year. He did have some injuries, but what he was able to show um, at the early stages of, of his senior year, quick release, very accurate, bigger arm than I really gave him credit for at the beginning. Of the recruiting process, he developed into, to me, a clear-cut guy that could be a number one guy for an elite college program. So that created a new, interesting dynamic for me as you try to project what JaQuindon Jackson is going to do in Texas at Texas, because I really like Hudson Card too. Um, so it's tough, you know. I I probably sit the same way, we're all, same place where all the Texas fans do. You know, they probably want them both to play. Yeah. Um, and want them both to have an opportunity, but I don't think you just put Quentin Jackson in a different position. He deserves to have a chance to play quarterback first.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's uh, it's one of those good problems to have, right? Too many yeah, no doubt. Too many good quarterback prospects. The weirdest thing I've encountered in this, and I, I certainly don't want to paint all Texas fans with this brush, but there is like an underappreciation for Hudson Card that I've never seen, and I don't know if it's some sort of bias towards like Travis as a program. But just within the Texas fan base, you would think having a highly rated quarterback coming from Austin, like Sam Ellinger, um, you know, they would love him. And I just haven't since the same um, type of love. And I, I, I'm with you. I really think from where we saw him when he was thrust into action as a sophomore in the state title game against Allen to where he ended his high school career, it's leaps and bounds, development right. as a passer. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those good problems to have. Let's go back to all time David, things – uh, a guy I think you and I, maybe not necessarily the best, but a guy I think you and I both have as a favorite of ours on our list, Eno Benjamin. Um, and I was early in, I mean, it was early in my career when I saw Eno Benjamin, and um, really loved everything he's done wonderful kid. Um, I, you know, I knew him pretty well in high school. I didn't cover him as closely as you did. I love seeing him every year at the army bowl, um, and just running into him and talking to him. And he's, he's going on to a tremendous uh, college career and NFL career. Tell us about your time covering, you know, Benjamin. You know, it was a, a great kid as you, as you mentioned, and I can't remember where he fell
0: exactly in comparisons to rankings here or there, but I know that he was very, very highly rated at scout. Um, either within the top 100 or just outside the top 100, like top 125-ish, uh, maybe, right in that range. So I know that he was he was one of those guys that we had a lot of faith in to be a top-level producer at the college level, and he was. Um, but cool story here with Eno is he came to one of my son's baseball games to watch him play high school ball. So, I mean, that's the type of person that Eno you know, Benjamin is. You know, he's very caring. Um, he takes care of the people who have taken care of him, and – really went above and beyond just like that normal type of thing that he, he wanted to make sure that, you know, if you wrote some articles about him, or whatever, that he really appreciated it. You know, he didn't take it for granted. And a cool fact about him is he was a great soccer player. Many people don't know that about him. Um, he was a tremendous soccer player and I think that's where you see that footwork come in. Um, he was like a magician. And I watched some of his tape playing soccer, had that opportunity. Um, And the things he did on the soccer field were pretty amazing. So to see him uh, develop into a a potential NFL draft pick at Arizona State, and, well, he will be an NFL draft pick, um, is pretty fun, you know, because that's something that my family can also uh, enjoy watching, you know, because he, Mm -hmm. he spent time with them. So that was pretty cool.
1: I, the thing I love to tell people, so I'm a huge soccer fan, and I'm a huge fan of the U.S. National Soccer Team, and of the opinion that we need better athletes on the men's national team to compete in the World Cup. I, on multiple occasions, in fact, I did it in January when I saw him at the Army Bowl, have tried to talk him out of playing football and into joining the men's national team and playing soccer. So, you probably would like to do both. Yeah. He he says, he's like, I miss soccer a lot. You know, he's like, I just, I had to pick one. And obviously football's the more lucrative one. Is there a guy out there that you felt really good on that you just missed on? I mean, everybody has their misses. Is there anybody you just, you, you couldn't see or and it may not always be that you missed the eval. I mean, you know, as well as I do, we rate guys high and then they go knucklehead on us and, and do something and it just never pan out. It, who were those guys for you, maybe, that you really loved in high school? Well, to, to be a good evaluator, you
0: have to understand that you're going to have just as many misses as you are hits, right? Right. You know, so there's tons, there's tons of misses out there. I I would say, like, just thinking back quickly that there's some, there's some bigger ones, but I would say two of the biggest misses are both defensive players. And I think it's a little bit harder to project defensive success because you don't always get to see it. These guys that are playing defense in high school, they're always the best players on their team or best players in their city. Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell, who went to Ohio State from Prestonwood Christian Academy. Um, at one time, he was like the Nike football rating all-time yeah. champ, you know. Um, and when I went to his game, he had 37 tackles against <laughs> like Troy City. And I thought, man, there's no way Mike Mitchell could miss. You know, he's like a 4 40 inside linebacker who – has a great shuttle time. And the game I went to, he had 37 tackles. He just killed everybody. There's no way Mike Mitchell could miss. Well, he didn't do anything in college, bounced around and went to a few different colleges and just never caught on. And another one for me is Kendell Hawk Jones. Yeah. you know, Kendell Jones is one that I stood behind, like much to the chagrin of maybe some of my uh, associates back then. They were like, well, we don't necessarily see it. I always stood behind that. Um, rating because he was so strong and so big and really you know Colleen Shoemaker isn't one of these teams that year in and year out got a great high school team well what he brought to that defensive front I think the guy that he played with there was Rashawn Thornton I think that was the duo Colleen Shoemaker up front their defensive line was so dominant you know and I thought well without Hulk. Colleen Shoemaker would be nothing, you know, so I had to take some of that into account, and that was an instance where I gave really way too much credit um, into what I saw basically in person, uh, how he controlled a game and didn't necessarily listen um, to maybe what his attributes would be off the field. You know, he wasn't very fast. He wasn't – he didn't have great technique, you know, and he wasn't very disciplined. So that, that was a reason why he didn't make it in college. Um, so I would say those are two of the ones that just really jumped to the forefront of my mind, but I'm sure there's very many more um, cases. Bryce, Bryce Brown. I mean, Bryce yeah. Brown was a freak, you know, from Wichita. Uh, so that was another one. Although he was okay. I mean, he had an NFL career, so maybe that was one that saved itself. His brother too.
1: It's funny that you mentioned Kendall. Um, that was like the first opening I ever went to was the year they were there and uh, at the, the regional. And he was such a – like, he was so hard not to be captivated by because he was so big, he was so strong, he had a great smile, he had a great personality, like, everything about him was awesome. Like, he was one of those infectious kids, and I thought, there's no way this kid's not like an All-American and a future NFL pick. And I remember seeing him late in the year. I saw him in the playoffs the year when they went out. They lost to uh, Gene DeLance's North Mesquite team. And I went yep. to go see DeLance and Rashawn Thornton and, and all of them. And by the end of that, I was saying, I'm not sure I'd take his commitment if I'm Texas right now. Because in that game, all he would do is just stand up and kind of lean into the center. I think he had just <laughs> – he had eaten himself out of, out of like, being able to, to really bend and be flexible. And I could, I could never get him out of my heart, Mike. I mean, he was stuck there. It's tough. Did you have him over at Oliver? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well,
0: I was – I was the first one uh, – I, I do know this. Ed Oliver is one of those guys who was like a very early five-star. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was one of those guys who back, back then in Ed Oliver's class, um, DSV, which was a film service, had just went out. And it was bought by Huddle. And uh, we had DSV as a service, so they were able to roll that in uh, to the Huddle. So I had Huddle game tape all the time. And Ed Oliver's first play on his first varsity rep. He takes the quickest step I've ever seen a defensive tackle take and just blows up a quarterback, and that was the one play. That, I watched that game tape on Saturday following the first Friday that he ever played, and that just happened to be – I can't remember who they were playing, but it was a big, big game. Um, Westfield was playing somebody good, maybe North Shore or somebody like that. So I would watched that game tape and saw that play, and I was like, that's a dude, and <laughs> never looked back after that. You know, from the first play he stepped on the varsity field, Ed Oliver was that guy.
1: All right, uh, let's finish it up here by talking about some favorite games. We talked about Duncanville North Shore. That's a favorite for anybody who was there, obviously, or watched it. I, I At the time, and I think I still stand by this, I, I think it's my favorite game I've ever watched at any level of football, professional college included. Like, that game had everything. Um, and You talked about Jaquinta Jackson's Drive. I watched that game the other night on Fox. And, like, them just – I remember them carrying him off the field after he scored last thing because he was just beaten to death um, and thinking they did it, they're going to do it. Reginald Samples has finally done it. And I, I can't – my jaw dropping at the end. What are some of the other – you know, I, I ran through this with Tepper. A lot of my favorite games happen to be state final games at, at, at AT&T. Um, what are some of, the, some of the best you've seen? Well, the best game
0: I've ever been to was the Patrick Mahomes-Malik uh, mesquite Pottee versus White House game that happened at Allen. And I think it was the first year, it was either the first or second year of Allen's new, brand new stadium, you know, which was a huge deal, not only in Texas, but across the country, because Allen had built this stadium that was absolutely tremendous. And I think it was the first game that I saw in the stadium. And this, I'm, I'm telling you. This was a slugfest. I can't remember exactly the final score. It was 60-something to 50-something. Patrick Mahomes threw for all kinds of touchdowns, and it was 65 to 60. That was what the final score was. Mesquite Poteet held on because Mahomes had a tip pass that was intercepted to end the game. And this was just like a track meet, up and down the field, back and forth. And Mahomes had a great game, and he was like – threw for around 600 yards or something crazy like that and um, had seven touchdowns. And and it was just, I'm telling you, man, this game was one of those games that you you're just left holding your breath. And I was on the sidelines trying to take pictures and you know how I am when I'm taking pictures, I'm really trying to do a good job and take it serious. And I bet you I lost 10 pounds that game (laughs) going up and down the field, trying to keep up with this game um it was a it was an amazing amazing Texas high school football playoff game neither team went went on to win a state championship i think Foteet got beat in the very next game um but it had some of the best players that i can remember playing with Malik Jefferson and Patrick Mahomes kind of going against each other and one was on defense and one was on offense you know so that was a lot of fun and and those who covered Malik Jefferson know what type of personality he is um so it was always fun to kind of go to one of his games and watch him play you don't really root for teams, but you root for Malik Jefferson, you know, and you couldn't root against Patrick Mahomes because of everything that he was doing. So it was one of those true games where you're torn on what you think you want to happen and will it happen or not. So it was a, it was a great game.
1: It's funny you mentioned that about Malik Jefferson. I always tell people he's a five star that didn't know he was a five star. Because we deal right. with, with more divas and personalities in this business than anything, but Bleak Jefferson, genuinely one of the most incredible dudes I've ever met in my life. I think the funny story about that is if I recall correctly, they lost the next week to I don't want to say it was like sock or somebody in in the Cotton Bowl. They lost the playoff game. If they don't lose was that I, I can't remember who John Tyler? It may have been John Tyler. I, if they don't lose that game, I don't think Malik Jefferson goes to Texas. And here's why he was, he had his December date set. He had not taken his official to Texas and basically was going to be booked into playoff games the rest of the way up until that date and wouldn't have been able to get an official to Texas. I don't think he, I think everything goes differently if they don't lose that game in the cotton bowl. And I remember by that point in time, it it sucked because, uh, people had in the media had really manipulated a couple of the things he had said. And so he got to the point where he was like, just done talking to people and knowing Malik now and and what kind of kid he is. Like if he, if he got to that point, you knew, you know, it was bad. It was getting real bad on him.
0: It was just a fun game in general. You know, Petite also had DeAndre McNeil. Um, That's a name that a lot of people are familiar with and White House was at a disadvantage. They had Quincy Aldridge, but he was injured. Yeah. You know, so Quincy Aldridge was standing on the sidelines and they were still able to compete in this game. So um, and of course, Quincy Aldridge went on to play at Texas A&M somewhat. He had an injury riddled uh, career himself. But that was I think he tore two ACLs in, in high school. And then that was something that continued into his college career. Uh, but that was just that one of those slugfests, you know, just one of those track meet Texas high school football games that I'll never forget.
1: It's funny, man, because you don't find a lot of people who were like, yeah, I was on board with Patrick Mahomes from the beginning, but the ones you find were sure as anything when they first saw him, that he was going to be, and I see like, I'm, I never saw him play in high school. I watched him play in college. And I remember, so, you know, Greg, I'm a bills fan. Buffalo actually traded the pick to Kansas city for them to pick Mahomes. Oh, wow. And Buffalo needed a quarterback. Obviously they've needed a quarterback since Jim Kelly retired. And, uh, I remember being extremely thankful because I was like, this Mahomes kid's going to bust in the NFL. Like, I don't want anything to do with him in Buffalo. I And I, I couldn't have been more wrong about that. But uh, like you said, we all have our misses. Uh, Greg, I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and helping me kill some time today. It was uh, It's good to see your face. Good to reconnect with you. Uh, hopefully this thing gets over soon and we can, we can be back out at some of these camps, seven-on-seven seven events and things that we usually run into each other at.
0: I'll see you out there, man. I'm looking forward to it. Just like you getting back out there on the field sometime soon.
1: All right, cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks.